0: Welcome to the Guna Ramble, a Gunnar's World podcast.
1: No gimmicks, no satire, just a little bit Arsenal. Hello, good afternoon, good evening and welcome to another edition of the Guna Ramble. I'm your host, Giza, and joining me on tonight's show is yet another new strike partnership with the returning inch practice uh, partnering up alongside Mr Golfing Guy from the Forum making his first appearance and also Mo adding some much needed firepower firepower to the panel Well it's been uh, one hell of a week we've had a fantastic result on Saturday where we eventually blew away a very spirited uh, Norwich City Um, and then um, come 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 tuesday we we kind of fell back to earth with a bump um not really sure what to make of it all really uh you know um on the one hand you know we had the the, the tiki tacky playstation fifa fut life imitating art ticka tacka masterpiece from 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 uh, uh jack wilshire and then um that was usurped by some fucking cunt <laughs> down at Selhurst Park who tried a of a Van Basten impression uh, but anyway here to dissect it all um, are my guests and regular panelists so uh, let's get our teeth right into it um, let's start with the new guy golfing guy what did you make of uh, Saturday's 4-1 victory at home to Norwich
2: well that was just uh, that was just a fun match to watch I mean I, I can't go to the stadium so I'm watching on television but that was just fun um, and you could tell the you could tell the players were enjoying it as well. I think uh, the, the first goal was <laughs> so sublime. It, I was sitting there watching, and I hesitated to celebrate because I thought he was off sides. Um, the, the little flicks, I think, faked uh, <laughs> the Norwich defenders so bad they were holding their jock straps in their hands. <laughs> and uh, Wilshire was in on him before they knew what was going on, and I thought he was off sides. That's, that's how fast it happened. Yeah. It was really incredible. Um, and then, you know, of course, we had that lull in the middle of the match where it looked like we were going to let him back into it. Uh, but then we finished off against Strong. Um, Ozil gets a goal with his head, and uh, you could tell they were having fun. He just couldn't believe he scored with his head. He was pointing to it exactly. on everybody. Yeah. Hey, look at me. scored with my head. Hey, look at me. I scored with my head. <laughs> <laughs> they were just having fun. Yeah. Uh, Ramsey pulls uh, a move on the sidelines to, to shed two defenders that probably made Cruyff stand up and pay attention.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm. Um, it was really quite something. It was just fun to watch.
1: Good stuff. Um, Inch. Uh,
2: yeah, loved it. Loved it, man. I
3: mean, masterclass, wasn't it, really? Mm. I mean, Erzur, um, Ramsey, Giroud, and Wilshire were all just fucking amazing. And, uh, and uh, you know, what. So the first goal was just unbelievable. I thought it was offside as well, mm. and also thought that the flick that um, Jack Wilshire did from behind his body—the first when I first saw it—I thought it just bounced off a defender's hip or something. Mm. I didn't realise he actually meant that. But you know, passed the ball to Giroud He got it back, and it was behind him. So instead of stopping in his tracks, he just reaches his foot round his back and and flicks it back to him. I mean, just just unbelievable stuff. And then you know, people are saying it's you know, the best team goal they've ever seen, and it was pretty amazing. But when I've watched it again, because I've watched it in slow motion about 15 times, Mm. you know, a lot of that is all about Giroud, you know. It's just incredible, the the first flick, and then the second pass that puts him in on goal actually slices through four Norwich players Mm. to arrive perfectly on his foot. I mean, that's, you know, and he's he's doing one with the outside of the boot and then one with the inside boot. I mean, just his role in that goal... You know, can't be understated. I thought he was absolutely awesome. You know, the two of them together, and then the way he set up Özil's goal as well. Um, you know, just put it right on his head. And the pass that you know, when he received the pass before he passed it to Özil, it was behind him. It was a, a terrible pass, and he still somehow pulled that out the back. So he was brilliant. And then Ramsey had that amazing goal where he, he dropped his shoulder and, and just you know, right in the penalty box, just put them all on their floor. Put them all on their asses and, and smashed it in. I mean,
0: just brilliant day to be a Gunner,
1: really. Mm. Mo, you were there, weren't you?
0: Yep, I was there, and uh, it was a pleasure to be there. The first goal, uh, watching it at the stadium, was uh, it was one of them ones where you knew it was a bloody good goal, but you didn't actually realise how perfect that was. Unfortunately for me, it was on, I'm in the North Bank, and that was uh, down That's at the, the end. end. Yeah, so um, it wasn't right in front of me, but my God, what a great goal. It was phenomenal. And I know you mentioned the um, goal against Palace by Kasami, uh, but I I still say uh, the Arsenal goal was better because, you know, if you look at historical goal of the month competitions or whatever, you'll see that sort of goal scored, you know, someone hitting a cracking volley, but you don't see, you know, it was five one-touch passes followed by a first-touch finish. Mm -hmm. You you don't see that once a season, really. You know, it's just absolutely phenomenal. So, brilliant goal and, um, you know, Ramsey must be gutted because any other day we'd all be talking about his goal. Mm-hmm. But you know that doesn't even really register compared to uh, what Wilshere, Santi, and uh, Giroud did. But um, you know, just point out again, Flamini was the one to win the ball in the first place. Mm-hmm. Really missed him against Dortmund. He sets up so many of our attacks. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, for me, um, the, the, the 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 what was m- also most amazing about the, the, the Wilshere goal was that Ilzio didn't even touch the ball didn't play any part in that goal no. you know um, so it, that was that was also what what, what kind of t- topped it off for me as for the um, the Ramsey goal it was like watching I don't know for the younger listeners amongst you but there was once a sl- a, a world class slalom skier called Alberto Tomba who would um, you know cut through the ice like just like Ramsey did you know slicing everybody in his wake and that just reminded me of, of, of him so that Ramsey just you know slaloming his way Through the Norwich defence and um, tucking it away with such aplomb and confidence, it was ridiculous. And then to have the awareness to to um, cut the ball back for um, Ozil to get his second of the game, you know, and it just looked like they were having like um, golfing guys. It just looked like they were having fun, you know, that day. But it was an odd kind of match because we weren't really firing on all cylinders. And Norwich, although they were beaten four-one, I thought they actually. I thought they were quite spirited. I don't know what you guys thought. But I I know there was was a point in the second half where they, again, we'd allowed the opposition to have 60% of the possession. You know, and then, you know, Flamini goes off with his concussion. And, um, you know, I don't know what the feeling was in the crowd. But my initial thought was, I hope he's all right for Tuesday night. You know, um, then, you know, Ramsey comes on and just turns it up a notch. You know um, with his cameo 20 25 minutes you know it was a, it was an odd match but you know um,
0: it really was um, it wasn't consistent had was it really really good spells in mm-hmm. the game and you know that's that's kind of been forgotten because of our because of our great goals but they had very strong spells in the game and the goals that we scored uh, the second and the third we scored it Really, really important times. I think you know when you're in the ascendancy as a player, a lot of time you kind of know that you have to make it count in this moment because every team will have phases during a game, and if you if you don't score in your phase, you're going to struggle to score. And Arsenal uh, scored during Norwich's phases of uh, control in the game, and I think that just kind of sucked the life out of Norwich a little bit. Mm. So you know things really went for us, um, but Norwich Norwich were very good, and it, it was. Directly after Flamini went off, you could see the change in the game. Yeah. And I, I was devastated when I found out that um, he wasn't available against Dortmund. I, I just think uh, when he went off the, the uh, game after that against
2: Norwich and the game against Dortmund really shows how important Flamini is to us.
1: Yeah. Was and it? I
2: think that if you saw the injury in slow motion, the way he hit the ground, I'm convinced Flamini was, was out cold momentarily. Mm-hmm. And mm. you can tell on the sidelines that the uh, the training staff didn't want to let him back on the pitch, no. and he just refused him. He got back on there. Yeah, I
1: mean, he's a brave then, lad, but he did look a bit kind of ginger. Yeah, I know.
2: Yeah. I think the training staff had it correct. He shouldn't yeah. have come back on. Yeah. But uh, he came off later with double vision, and that shows you how bad it was. Exactly, exactly. But I love
0: that about Flamini. I love the fact that he's got double vision. He's seeing 22 <laughs> yeah. opposition on, <the> yeah. <laughs> on the pitch, and he still wants to get out there. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that about
1: him. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um,. So what was the general feeling, um, I mean I saw your YouTube video, uh, your YouTube interview at Arsenal Fan TV, was it a quite a euphoric feeling coming out of the ground, I mean was everybody, uh, were people looking forward with you know um, great anticipation to the Tuesday game, was there a general feeling that we were going to actually turn over Dortmund as well?
0: I mean yeah every single time I get to the stadium this year it's uh, it's just a great feeling it's really really positive and it's absolutely brilliant and we, we don't really care who we're playing next we all feel positive about it we all think we can do a job and um, I, I don't think there's any reason to change that sort of mentality because Dortmund could have gone anyway, really if you if you look at um, you know the game one all and Santi comes on and hits the post sort of thing it could have gone anyway. way um, but I, as I say you know I just I think it could have been different with, with Flamini on the pitch and against Dortmund as well we missed uh, Walcott hugely I think we, we were desperate for uh, a winger and desperate for pace mm-hmm. and Walcott would have made a massive difference I know they had players out but I really do think that with two full strength teams it would have been a different result and um, yeah you know pe- people were really looking forward to the game just man climax climax
1: mm. Inge what did you make of the moving on to the Dortmund game what did you what did you make um,
3: of it? Well, the the result was slightly disappointing, but I wasn't too bothered about it because, um, you know, we, we actually played fairly well. And as Mo said, we could have won it um, and it all would have been different. Um, you know, perhaps we should have hung on for the draw, but understand why we didn't because we were on top of them. Yeah. And we sensed we sensed victory and we could smell it and we, we, we looked like we were going to score so I'm not surprised we threw a couple of extra bodies forward to make sure and then we got caught on the counter so you know if if, it, if we'd have lost from, from being shite then I, I think we'd, we'd be worried but I don't think we played that badly I just think Dortmund closed us down really really well and didn't give us the time and space uh, you know to, to do our thing but it's, it's not like you know last season we would lose a game to I don't know Bradford or or, or, or some relegation fodder and then we go well how the hell did we lose that and this is like the fourth mm. game we've lost now and we, we'd all get really depressed you know it's difficult to get depressed when we're absolutely on fire and we lose a game to you know uh, the Champions League finalists Do you know what I mean uh, it's kind of it, it, you know you're not going to take that too badly are you mm. mm.
1: Gofi
2: well I, I guess I'll start with the negatives for for much of the match it felt like I was watching the Arsenal 12 months ago mm. Where um, you know Giroud's flicks weren't coming off, uh, passes were going astray, particularly from uh, a usually dependable Sonya. I think he lost three within five minutes. I was watching; it was it was awful. And uh, and then you know Ramsey gives up the ball right in front of the uh, box. Mm. Like I think I, I critiqued him last year for doing a, a few times as well. Exactly. And then, that. of course, and then, yeah. of course he's come good and made me look like a fool. But that's 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 great. Um, but it, it looked like the Arsenal from 12 months ago. You know, you didn't see Ozil mm. uh, expressing himself in the match. Wow. It just, but the, the good news is that even though we were playing like that, it, it took a mistake for Dortmund to score on us. Mm. And we, we can't forget that, that Dortmund is a very good team and they were mm. playing a very good match. Mm. And the fact that a very good team playing a very good match could not score on us until we made that appalling mistake is, is probably good news. That, mm. You know, we were dealing with it and we were handling it.
1: Yeah. You, you make a good point about the Uzil, uh factor. I, I said um, straight after the, the game, I went on Twitter and I said, um, you know, for me they played him four times last season when he was in the Real Madrid team, so they knew how to play him. And they I think they nullified him and and it was only until Cazorla came on the field that we actually were in the ascendancy. I think we we, we looked like we did I mean, Wiltshire, not Wiltshire uh, Ramsey Try to you know make up for his mistake, but they really we didn't really seem to click. We didn't click into gear, and and I think that was in no small part to the fact that they were just nullifying. They they made Udzil pretty much a a peripheral figure. You know I, I don't know how it looked to you, uh, Mo, in the in the ground.
0: Yeah, do you know what I I just couldn't understand what was going on with Ramsey Boucher and Özil because. Um, yeah, remember that wheelship performance against Barcelona? Mm-hmm. Barcelona play a very similar style of football to Dortmund in terms of where they press and how they press. they hunt in packs. Mm-hmm. and it's really effective. But if you've got technical players that when they're surrounded by three, they can find a short, snappy pass and then switch it across the wing, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're in the ascendancy because you've taken three or four players out of the game. And that's when you need to pace on the wing to get into them dangerous areas when they're lacking because they've hunted you in a pack mm-hmm. in a different part of the pitch. And Wilshere did that brilliantly against Barcelona when um, he had that you know, amazing performance. And uh, on Tuesday, uh, still Wilshire and Ramsey, the, the amount of times they passed it to the opposition was... Mm-hmm incredibly frustrating mm. but I think Golfie makes a really good point we, we didn't play well and they didn't create anything until we made a mistake mm. and I think we were raving on about Ramsey's goal against Norwich um, I, I think that was a you know we, we were and he was and we were a victim of his overconfidence Yeah. Um, which fine you know if, if he's going to score what well, I think he's got nine goals this season he's going to mm. make one mistake I'll take mm. that ratio all day yeah. but you know hopefully he will learn from it it'll, it'll it'll benefit him and um you know it was from a, a really really poor mistake that they really? went and scored and i don't think we actually created that much even though we weren't playing great we given the ball away they didn't create that much in terms of clear cut chances we still made our good chances and what i liked is that we showed character we were playing really mm. badly the players weren't doing well but yeah. we wrestled our way back into the game we did. and we earned the right to play
1: we did it's true um, i i wonder if 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 i mean Arteta had a great game for me in his position, but I wonder if Flamini was there, would Ramsey have been dribbling, trying to dribble past four red, yellow shirts on the edge of his own area? Because Flamini, he shouts instructions, he pulls players into place. You know, he won't. He just doesn't seem a sort of character that would have allowed Ramsey to start ball juggling at that, in, at that part of the pitch. Um, but then again, like I said, it's it's it's. It's not to undermine Arteta, who I thought was one of our best players, as as well as Giroud on the night. You know, I want to take a a topic that was on the forum that said, you know, the the fullbacks um, aren't as effective as we'd like. That's a suggestion. They're not as effective as we like um, going forward. Um, You know, uh, Sanya, although he created the goal uh equaliser didn't really have a great game crossing the ball. Um, Gibbs on the other side was was you know he 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 does add width he does provide width but you know wh- when we don't have natural wingers which we didn't have on Tuesday the emphasis is on the wing backs to not only provide the width but to actually provide the good you know good ball, good centres into the into the area. And it still seems as though we're struggling with that. Which means we need to have people like Theo back in the side as soon as possible. What do you guys make of the attacking performances or offensive performance of our fullbacks? Bearing in mind that Sanya only learnt to cross the ball once he came to Arsenal. And Gibbs, although he was started out as a left winger... Doesn't really seem to put in that many good crosses. I want to put that question to Inchy.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've said for a long time that um, you know Sanya is not as good as he as he was, but he's also he's not. Right for the system that we want to play because we're not playing our fullbacks as fullbacks, we're playing them as wingbacks, so they spend most of their time in the opposition half. So, if they're going to spend you know 80% of the game attacking, they need to be better at attacking than they are. I think Gibbs is not bad, even though he doesn't put a lot of crosses in. He cuts inside and squares the ball along for people to shoot. Um, you know, he scored that amazing overhead volley that Giroud setting set him up for a few months back. You know, I think he's uh, you know Gibbs is good in attack. Um, and good in defence as well. He's, he's pretty good all-rounder, especially for his age. Um, but I think Sanya, you know, probably better defensively than Gibbs, but he's not as good going forward. Um, he can't cross. He never beats a man out on, on the outside. When someone passes in the ball 99 times out of 100, he will pass backwards. He won't actually make a forward pass hardly ever. And I don't like the way that he... Uh, doesn't link up well with Theo, because when he gets the ball, Theo wants it over the top down the line, and he hardly ever makes that pass, so you repeatedly, if you're watching in the stadium, you see Theo make runs, make runs, make runs, when Sanya's got the ball, and he never gets it, and I just think that if you're going to play that system, if you're going to play that way, you need someone better in attack than Sanya, you know, because we don't play 4-4-2, and we we allegedly play this version of 4-2-3-1, but if you freeze-frame a game, at any point, you'll find that our full-backs are never actually in a a four, you know, a back four there, unless we've lost the ball. So, um, all you've got is basically Mertesacker and Kosciani in the middle on their own, and the full-backs are way up, you know, way up the pitch, you know, near the opposition box, and if you're going to play that, then, you know, you might as well get two wingers and train them to defend, you know. Gibbs was originally a left-winger, wasn't he? He was trained to be left, you know, whereas Sanya is more of a defender, has been trained to attack, and it hasn't gone very well. You know, I, I think you need someone on the right that's as good as Leighton Baines is on the left, basically, and then and then this system will work. Either that, or you get two proper wingers, and you tell the full-backs to stay in their own half. But if you're going to play this system,
0: you need people better in attack, that's my view.
1: Yeah. Um, uh,
0: Mo? Um, yeah, for me, I personally I disagree. When I when I look at my full-backs, well, you know, I say my full-backs... Know Wenger's Um, I want them to be to get defending nailed down first. In my opinion, Bakary Sanya has done that. You know, he, he's a good defender, and anything. Other, anything beyond that is a bonus, you know I'd, I'd like him to be great crossers, I'd like him to be able to bust a gut and get forward and run forward 90 yards and come back again, but you know, as long as he's defending well, that's he's you know, he's earning his uh, pay packet as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. and um, you know, let's not forget, last year we had the sec- joint second best defensive record in the league I think, and you know things okay. are going really well, I feel com- I feel quite confident when we've got our first choice defence out, that you yeah, know, we can kind of keep, um, keep your position somewhat at bay, and You know, do all right. So uh, I've got no real complaints. I I personally think that yeah, you you mentioned Leighton Baines. Yeah, he's obviously brilliant. He's uh, an amazing uh, fullback, and if we could have someone like him, of course, he he would be an improvement. But for me, Kieran Gibbs is the future of um, that position for Arsenal in England. Sanya has 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 really proved himself there, I I think. And I can't actually think of that many right backs in world football that um, I, I rate really highly or that I'm desperate to have. So you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm happy.
3: Cool. Can I just pick Go up ahead, on one thing there? Yep. Um, you know, you're, you're right in the sense that a fullback's job is to defend primarily, and if they can attack as well, it's it's a bit of a bonus. But I think what the Dortmund Dortmund game exposed is the fact that we kept relying on them, and everything kept going through Sanya because he was the one in space, and he was the one that had got forward. And when we did that, the attacks broke down. So if you're gonna if you're gonna put your attacks through him. You're going to get a load of crap crosses. You know um, he's going to end up going back. Um, at one point giving a ball away. Another point getting dispossessed. So you know it, it, if we play with the defenders in our own half, then sure they should 80% of their job is defend. But we're not playing that way. We're we're playing with him as almost a, you know a, an attacking midfielder. You know right up there. And, and if if we're going to do that, then he's not good enough at it. And that's what the Dortmund game in particular exposed because. It, Kept um, breaking down our attacking moves.
1: Mm. Um, golfy. um Mo said that uh, you know last season we were quite solid defensively. This season we've got the worst defence out in the top six. Is that is that is that a problem? Is that a concern for you, or you just you just think we've scored one more goal than the opposition, then it shouldn't matter?
2: It's it's just a little bit of a concern. Um, I think the the defense is still solid. I think we just sometimes, uh, like Inch said earlier, we get overconfident, we get carried away, we get chasing a game or an extra goal, and and get caught out. Um, particularly against Dortmund, I think uh, the fact that uh, our center backs were effectively dealing with Lewandowski most of the day, and they had no they had no target man up there because you know Murta Sacker and and uh, were dealing with uh, Lewandowski. I think. We got overconfident, and Sanya and Gibbs stayed up higher on the pitch uh, with that confidence that they could deal with Lewandowski. And the one time he brought one down and to a midfielder and he passed the ball to a runner, it was game over. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a little overconfident sometimes, uh, as Wenger said, naivete. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also, there's a Arsenal player uh, video that I just saw today, it might have been posted earlier, but of kathorla uh, mm-hmm. talking about how important the defenders are, and he specifically said, because we don't have natural wingers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's more of the issue than the defenders themselves, the fact that we don't have natural wingers other than maybe Walcott. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I, I know I I lament on about sometimes, that we, we need another natural winger. Um, but I think, I think you saw in the Dortmund game, until Ozil went out wide right, that's when he was able to actually have an effect on the game. Mm-hmm. to play in a position where normally a natural winger would be yeah so I, I think really it's not so much our defenders that are at fault although I I think they're, they're crossing is sometimes shocking um, I think it's the fact that, that we truly don't have natural wingers
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting very interesting uh, Moe do you want to add to that or
0: no I, I think mm. we've I've covered okay. as much as we need yep. to I, I just think everyone always have their own opinion Yeah. I, I personally I think the grass is greener I wouldn't want to change mm-hmm.
1: cool alright um just, yeah, uh, I think Murtagh basically he said today in today's uh, Standard that we need to, you know, do better as a unit defensively. Um, it's great that we're, we've got this attacking flair this season, but let's not forget our defensive aspect. The fact that we've only kept one clean sheet, which was against that rob, that mob up the road, you know, is a is is a slight kind of cause for concern at the back of my mind, and I'm hoping that um, it doesn't get exposed later on. But then going back to last season. It really was a case of who scored the most goals, won the league. I think I think Man United's defensive record wasn't that great last season. Certainly, Man City's was was shocking compared to the, the season that they won the championship. So it seems like you know it's all about getting the you know getting the best attacking players to give you the best chance to score four, four five six goals a game. But anyway, we'll see how that turns out. I just want to touch on the um, the Dortmund fans and the atmosphere that they created. Their end of the stands, um, there was a lot made about it. You know, how there was a sea of yellow and they never stopped singing, and they brought the you know the, the, the atmosphere of the West Valley Stadium to, to a little part of North London. Was there any do you think that there's anything we could take from that? Um, and and, and you know, and, and recreate it here at, at Ashburton Gravana. Like last night, I was watching the Man United game, and then afterwards, I saw a, I think it's Twitter or an article saying that you know Man United actually had their own dedicated singing section to create that kind of loud atmosphere in their ground. Do you think we could do the same? I mean, I know we've got red action, but do you think that there's 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 definitely something that to be considered in terms of you know having you know a singing section? Maybe some people I know. Some people don't like the horns and the drums and whatnot. But I was wondering what you guys think of it. Uh, let me start with you, Mo, because you were there. What do you think?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I knew exactly what to expect with the Dortmund fans. They're mm. absolutely brilliant. But you know, I'm sick of people kind of um, comparing them to Arsenal just because we played them. Dortmund fans are better than any fans we've got in England of any club, in my opinion. Mm. They are phenomenal but it is very manufactured and it is very organised. But for a lot of people, they feel that once it becomes manufactured, once it becomes organised, it loses the whole kind of essence of support, of that raw um, kind of um, spillage of emotion yeah. sort of thing. You know, it's 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 contrived at this point, so it uh, kind of cancels itself out. I don't agree with that. I personally think it was brilliant. I, I, I think they added to the game, they added to the occasion, and I absolutely loved it. And we... Um, I think we could learn a lot from them, but I I just think It's a cultural thing, to be be honest with you. You know, the amount of people I see um, at the ground who kind of just sit there and maybe they're a bit too used to going to the games. They've got the season ticket. They've been going for generations. No one at Arsenal ever gives the season ticket up because, you know, if you lose it, you've lost it for life, basically you're on a 40-year waiting list or whatever it is. So I think people are a bit too comfortable. And I'd like to see some radical change come in, whether it's drums or whether it's certain sections or whatever. I, I don't really care what it is, and that's a discussion that we can have another time. But I would like to see something done because I would love it if Arsenal fans had that reputation that the Dortmund fans had. I I, I really was full of full of praise. And I thought they were brilliant.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Golf. I want to see. I want to get your perspective in mean, because obviously you're in America and, and, and a crowd plays a big part in American sports. What do you think that, what the, um, we in England could take from from the, the American sort of fan culture and experience? Uh, yeah, the fan culture is over, over here is is a bit different. That.
2: Um, we don't have traditional territorial and political um, <laughs> attitudes behind <laughs> yeah. our, our support of a club. Mm-hmm. It's uh, usually strictly geography that usually defines who you're, you're you know, rooting for. Mm-hmm. Um, where I know in, in a lot of European cities, there's, there's more to it than just geography. Um, but we, we don't have uh, a lot of sports where you stand all the time. Mm-hmm. We, we do get uh, told to sit down in stadiums over here if you stand for too long because somebody behind you wants to sit and watch. So we we don't have what like the Dortmund fans did. We we have that at, at university level. Yep. Um,
1: College and, football and level in wonderful. particular.
2: Yeah, and uh, but we we usually don't have that too often in pro sports unless you're talking about the final moments of a game mm. or or some spectacular play. Mm. But it, it is something I enjoyed watching and, and hearing as the match was going on, and, and would certainly want to hear more of it. But uh, don't have a lot of experience over here in the in the states with. That kind of
1: activity. Right, uh, inch. You've 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 been to the ground. You've frequented the ground uh, many times, both Highbury and and uh, Ashburton Grove. What do you what do you make of it? Do you think there's anything we could do? Are you are you happy? Do you think it's just going to grow organically the, the the atmosphere in the stadium? Would what, what you reckon? I
3: don't know. It, it can be quiet at times. It's true. Um, you know, uh, fans are almost waiting for something to happen. But um, you know, I think they're all just. Uh, you know, a very studious, um, you know, cerebral types that like to analyse every single pass. That's, that's all. Our fans are just geniuses that, that <laughs> like to watch what's going on the pitch. And, you know, shouting just disturbs that. That's the problem. You know, I mean, how do these Dortmund people actually watch the game if they're jumping up and down, holding hands or <laughs> turning their backs? You know, it's not right. But what we should do mm-hmm. is if we want to make the crowd, you know, a bit louder, we should get some really busty cheerleaders. And get them to uh, you know dance in front of the crowd and the louder the crowd gets the more clothes they take off you know (laughs) you'd you'd get some pretty serious
0: noise if you did that now see that's the American model right there (laughs) (laughs) do you know I I put something on Twitter that Mm. you know I I think a lot of people listen to it and think oh that's just stupid shut up sort of thing but I'm going to mention it anyway I'll put myself out there you know, I, I say let's do something radical. What if, for example, we had a area of the ground where, um, you know, the fans were told, all right, well, there'll be a, a base value of your ticket, let's say 40 quid, and um, we'll measure the average decibel levels throughout the 90 minutes, and based on that, it'll either go up or down, up to a maximum of 60 or a minimum <laughs> of 20 or something, for example. You know, incentivize people. We complain about um, expensive tickets, and we complain about a poor atmosphere, why don't we do something? Think of something like that. I, I personally love it. I, I've genuinely been to a game at the Emirates before where I've been told if I can quieten down. I mean, how how flippant unacceptable is that? Mm-hmm. That's mad.
1: It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, you, you said that... I mean, I remember going to Highbury. Uh, it wasn't always loud. Uh, there's some people that say that oh, Highbury was always loud. I don't remember it always being loud, to be honest with you. Um, but... There, there there were times when the atmosphere was a lot more emotional, um, a lot more instantaneous and spontaneous. Um, you obviously didn't have all these stewards, you know, telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Um, I just wonder if maybe Red Action could... I mean, if, if Man United are incorporating, you know, uh, a, a dedicated singing section or whatever, maybe we should also... You know, I think there's definitely um, there's something we can take from from our European counterparts and incorporate it here. I mean, if it's short of the you know safe standing thing, which doesn't seem to be on the governments' agenda agenda in terms of you know considering changing that rule, we need to have something in place to um, make it more. Loud. I mean, because the, the Napoli game seemed to be a fantastic atmosphere. You know, where the whole the whole ground was jumping. You know, uh, the thing is
3: all, all the Emirates games that I've been to since the Open, yeah. um, the Barcelona games and and the Tottenham games were the best. Mm. I mean, the atmosphere was absolutely electric, mm. um, especially against Tottenham. Yeah. And I don't know why we can't duplicate that for every game. Mm. But I think it may be just a mentality thing. You know, yeah. if we're playing against Norwich or some bottom table team people just sit back and say right let's watch and walk all over them Mm. they don't think that maybe the players need encouraging or or there's not as much at stake you know when when we're playing tottenham it's all the bragging rights that work next day and all that stuff but i don't know how you duplicate it but those games it was unbelievable in there i mean even out in the streets afterwards even at half time when you're queuing up for a pint it was at the volume was unbelievable um but uh, you know i don't know what i don't know how to, to to copy that across to every game, but yeah. I mean as for singing sections, I don't really know what that is. Does that mean you can only stand in this section if you're singing? What happens if you
0: stop singing? You get removed? How does it work?
1: <laughs> Not completely sure.
0: It's kind of like a quiet carriage on a train. Mm-hmm. You can uh, go in there if you really want to, but you've been warned. And you know there are some people that don't want to be next to you know someone shouting from the gut well if you don't want to then don't go in the singing section you know it's kind of it's just about etiquette I think if if there is a singing section then go in there if you're going to sing your heart or otherwise let someone else so that means once they've created the singing section
3: if you already had a season ticket in there they have to move you somewhere else
0: yeah of course all of these things will be ironed out prior to it but you know they they would accommodate for, for people that wouldn't want to be in that but um, yeah you know I, I think it is a bit annoying that it has to be forced but mm. if, if that's what it takes then yeah I'm all for it I mm. want us to have a great atmosphere at the ground and um, yeah you know if, if it means singing section then go for it cool.
3: what about what some some clubs do and they actually um, put on like a CD of um, <laughs> of a band that plays like the you know the tunes the songs for their club mm. do you know what I mean so like we've got that band um, uh, what are they called um, you know they play on tall sport all the time um, that Arsenal band, anyway, there's a band that, that plays tunes and they, they change the lyrics to Arsenal lyrics, you know, and then... Uh, well, the Away have,
1: Boys or something, who are they? That's it, the yeah. Away Boys, yeah. yeah.
3: Um, you know, you can have them play some of the classic songs and it just gets people singing. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, I mean, it might start to resemble a handball match or something if you do that. <laughs>
2: okay. yeah, that, that is an effective uh, technique that is used a lot in, in the States here, where... We use the PA system and stereos and music and stuff to get, get the crowd into the match and get, mm. get the crowd uh, making noise. Um, but I I'd, rather than you know having a specific standing-only site or singing-only section of the stadium, I'd, I'd reverse it on them. I'd say, hey, if you'd want to sit down and watch your quiet little match, you have to sit here, and the rest of us are just going to do what the hell we want. <laughs> I'd, re- I'd reverse it.
1: Radical. Radical. <laughs>
3: You need more than one singing section as well, I think, yeah. because yeah. with the size of the stadium, you're gonna you've got to have at least one in each bank. I mean, you've got to have about four, mm. you know, and, and and so that the people around them, uh, you know, pick up on on the song and join in. Mm. I agree,
0: yeah,
1: true. Cool. All right, then. Just just cool.
0: one last thing though, because you know we've sat here and we've and we've talked about the support and we've talked about it in a negative way. I just want to say for the balance and for fairness. all... All top teams in England. Unfortunately, the home support isn't great. I've been away at Old Trafford, and my God, honestly, I, I could have done my revision when I was studying, like, in there. It is horrendously quiet. Even Roy Keane mm. said it's like a funeral in there. Mm. So you know, that's the club captain talking about that. Them. I'm, I'm
1: not. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's only Arsenal. I just. Yeah, that, I, I just know. want to make that very clear. Yeah. You know, sure.
0: It's it's a lot of the top clubs, unfortunately, mm. and um, we're by no means the worst in the league. Okay. I went near it, in fact
1: okay great stuff all right so that's that I let's move on to um, the interview with the uh, Crystal Palace supporter Chris Hambling okay uh, welcome back to the guna uh, ramble in this week's edition of Behind Enemy Lines, we have a special guest, Chris Hamblin, host of the Homsdale Radio podcast. Um, good evening Chris, how are you sir?
4: Good evening, I'm, I'm very well considering.
1: <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Alright, um, it's been quite a week for you guys, quite a yeah. few days, you mean, you've been in the news for unfortunately all the wrong reasons I suppose, as a, as a, as a Crystal Palace fan I suppose. Um, um, the, 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 the year itself, I suppose, has been one sort of roller coaster ride, you know, um, from... Well,
4: well, we, we, you know, we, we are a roller coaster club, it's what mm. we do. Um, I think if you, if you go back three years, we've just had every possible emotion you could possibly get as a football fan and, you know, to the point of being ours from extinction to the elation of promotion and, and now the harsh reality of the premiership and we all knew it would be tough, but, um... I don't think any of us really expected what's happened in the, in the last well seven days.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, going into Monday's game, hmm. what was the general feeling amongst the fans? Was there any indication? I mean, I know that certain players have said things. You had the French guy that has since left the club. He said he was, he yeah. was pissed at not being included in the twenty-five. Owen Garvin had Garvin had said that you know I'm going to be at the club longer than you. But I mean, going into Monday's game, was there any sort of rumblings, any feelings of what what might ensue?
4: No, not at all. No, uh, we we went into Monday's game, and I and I know the, the manager went into it with the same attitude that it's a home game. We we're, we're good under the floodlights at Sellers Park, and up until that game, we hadn't lost in two and a half years in an evening game at Sellhurst. So we're confident. We thought that was an opportunity to get some points. Um, the, the sort of the discontent you mentioned was kind of understandable for players left out of the twenty-five, uh, especially Morant. He was the French guy you mentioned. He mm. was. He was signed to bring us pace to the back line, and, and the scouting just went wrong. He, he turned up and he had no pace. Wow! And, um, it was yeah. That's the kind of pressure that we've been under to get players in that, that basically corners have been cut, and um, we're starting to see that sort of come to, to come to a reality now.
1: Mm. Do you think you've come up a year too early? I mean, what was the? Was the uh, there was a five year plan, wasn't there? Once, once Parrish and his friend, his people came yeah, in.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, Simon Jordan was the one he sort of came in and coined that phrase, and right. he got us up in four years, and, and I think there was a, a, a slightly different plan with uh, with Parish and, and Browett and, and um, Long and, and Hosking. Basically, they, they came in with a view that we had all this talent in the academy, and we'd, we'd keep them for two years while they had a value, and we had them on a long contract, and then if we didn't go up, we'd have to use them to fund the club, because in the championship, we're a loss-making club by some distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the plan was... The actual plan was fun enough was to get promotion last year, but I think perhaps the, the, the lack of experience at the club in, in terms of how to operate at Premiership level I think everyone was a bit naive perhaps in, into how you know what the impact would be um, and I can I'll tell you for an absolute fact that I mean as soon as we got promotion that there was this excitement about the money, but the, the first thing that happened was we got told by the Premier League about all the changes we had to make at the ground. We had to install kilometers of cables, build a new gantry, all this sort of stuff has been millions and millions of pounds. And that was a complete shock to the system. So it's been a really weird one. And you're absolutely right, year too early, um, but by the same token, if we'd stayed down, I can't see that we would have got promotion this season, if you know what I mean, with with the quality that's there.
1: Okay, cool. I want to open the the, the questions out to the rest of the panel. Mm -hmm. Um, Mo, uh, got any questions for Chris?
0: asking question, questions first thing i'd say is uh, i thought you were actually really unlucky against fulham because they scored some worldies didn't they you know <laughs> yeah you just you just can't do anything about goals like that you can't defend them so yeah you've you got my sympathies and it, what's happened since is uh you know quite a shock really so um the question i had was from from what how it's been represented in the media it's that ian holloway has kind of acted in a somewhat saintly manner and mm. done what's best for your club and to think that you know he must have been on bloody good money seeing as you're a Premier League manager yeah. one day he's earning that and the next day off his own back he's thought no I'm not going to take any more money I'm not going to get any more income and uh, you know if, if you think about it from an average man's point of view who the hell would do that is that yeah. really the case has he really acted like that and what do you make uh, of it Um. Well,
4: yeah well there's there's a degree of thought that I mean to a, to a degree you've got to suggest maybe there's a bit of PR in that Um hmm. You know, be a bit cynical and that, that's the way the football world works but I mean Ian Holloway is an honest honourable man he wouldn't sit in front of the media and do that if that wasn't the case um, what's really noticeable from our perspective is, is I mean I spent a good hour and a half in his, in his company with Steve Parrish when he joined the club and he was bright and he was exactly how you saw him on Match of the Day making quips and having a laugh but so knowledgeable about the game as well and he had so much enthusiasm and you see that the man that was in the press conference yesterday and he was a shell of that man He's worked tireless hours to try and get his vision across. And, and frankly, it just hasn't worked. And, and I think he just lost. There was there was a few incidents at half-time um, with players. Um, I, can't, I don't really know the exact details, so I won't speculate too much. But, but, I mean, you talk about the worldies and how unlucky we were. It's been a bit like that this season. But those worldies uh, caused the players' heads to drop. And when they came out for that second half, the heads hadn't come back up. And that's so unlike Holloway. And I think that's, that was the tipping point. He couldn't motivate them at half-time. He, so he, he felt he'd lost them. He felt he'd, he'd lost the one thing that he's always had confidence in,
2: his ability to lift players. Mm-hmm. And that was it.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Um,
2: uh Yeah, I have, I have several questions, actually. I know that uh, it's been a disappointing start to the season. You, you haven't taken any points off of, I think, some of the teams that you would probably expect to compete with if you're going to stay up but I just wanted to get a sense of what uh, what you and your fan base, what your confidence level is that you can, mm-hmm. at this point, stay up. It, it, and yeah. then also, uh, I guess the follow-on would be all the all the rumors about new managers and what mm-hmm. uh, most Arsenal fans consider the, the antichrist. Um, what, what would you think of Tony Pulis? <laughs> um, well, I think very similar things to you about Tony Pulis. Um,
4: I, I've heard that he's expressed that he doesn't fancy that challenge, and... Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, just waiting for that really to to break. But um, yeah, he's not someone. I don't think. If you see what he did at Stoke, I don't think we have the squad to do those things. I think he'd have to change way too much. Um, but we do need new ideas um, and to sort of well to to go back to the first point about do we have confidence in it right now? No, no one no one's confident at all. Uh, but the weird thing is when we when we got promotion, so we even coming out of Wembley. Sort of the big joke around us was, um, you know, now we've got 12 months of hell. Is a, a Steve Koppel, uh quote from years back. Uh, they said, What well, you know, now you've got this team up to the top division, what do you expect? He just said, 12 months of hell, and it <laughs> is that. And yeah, but what it comes down to is you can reason all as much as you like about we're not expecting many points, we're not expecting to beat big teams, you know, it's going to be hard, but losing game after game after game just destroys uh spirit and relationships
2: in, in fans players staff management board the whole lot it really does mm. and, it, and it really did seem that I, I know that holloway uh seemed like a beaten man i mean i think mm. they're just tired um what do you think needs to change beyond a new manager uh it's, that's it's a fantastic question what what we need above all is we need
4: organization quickly and that's that's it's not just about our defense a lot of people talk about our defense it's not that leaky uh fulham was a, an aberration this season really but um the general team organisation is: we can either attack or we can defend. We can't seem to do both, and the balance of the team's wrong. Uh, we're not not really got any genuine width. Uh, there's there's an awful lot of work to do, and um, it, it needs needs someone inspirational. Uh, I don't believe Poulos is the man, but I do. I do want to see, and this is a this is a weird one. I want to see for this season Neil Warnock come back. Um, a bit of a strange one from a lot of people, but Neil Warnock to just give us a. You know, kick up the ass and, and try and get people moving <laughs> until he has another heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a, well. Yeah, he's a character, bless him. But like, you know what I mean? Is I just I, we need someone of that ilk, put it that way. And then I think it ultimately it'll end in failure, I suspect. But um, I think once that happens, we can then look more long term. And, and I might might pick someone like Phil Parkinson or maybe Eddie Howe mm. after before. Chris,
0: I've got a quick question for you, mate. Um, I'm just play devil's advocate here because you know. Got Arsenal, so I don't like Tony Pulis. It goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of if, if someone was to say to an average football fan, um, what Premier League manager will keep a club up? You know, Which Premier League manager has got a knack of just keeping someone in the top flight? I think a lot of people would come up with Tony Pulis as an answer. He just seems to have a recipe that works to keep teams in the top flight, even if really um, they're not that great. So if you're talking about a short-term and long-term basis, isn't he absolutely ideal short-term to just keep you in the Premier League? Yeah, I mean you—you you spotted the, the fatal flaw in my argument absolutely
4: um, on paper. And even I would say, as a as if I was a board member of Palace, I would be thinking that exact same thing. Yeah. Um, because he he kept stoking the Premier League for six years, and that's not no easy feat. Um, he did it in a way that I, that I, I detest. He did it in a way. Yeah. That, you know he filled a, a squad with physically large people and, mm. and, and a person man. who could throw the ball half a length of a yeah. pitch. and you know what i mean so yeah. i i i can't see how we can could repeat the same success with the squad we've got and we don't have the luxury of changing our whole squad you know we did that and i think that was probably the start of our problems
1: mm. uh, going back to uh, monday night i saw a youtube clip i don't know who posted it but um I think the, the the players were coming off the pitch and they were being clapped. And I think Holloway was coming down towards the tunnel, and he was getting a bit of a uh, a bit of abuse from. I think it was a bit of abuse from your fans. I, I couldn't quite yeah. tell, but somebody was yeah. getting a bit of abuse from your fans. Has that been? Was that was that shocking to you, or or had that been sort of brewing for 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 a little while?
4: Be careful how I phrase it. Um, there are sections of our support who. Um, never took to Holloway simply because he, he replaced Dougie Friedman right. and they believed that Friedman rather than choosing to leave for Bolton was forced out of the club right. uh, there's a lot of politics behind that and um, that I won't bore you with mm-hmm. um, but basically a, a section of the support that um, sing all game actually stopped singing and chose to walk across the front of the pitch and congregate in that area and, and abuse Holloway and our um, one of our co-chairmen Stephen Browett has confirmed that Holloway was shocked by it and I'm sure it didn't help um, he's already, you know, the, the doubts that are already in his mind, I'm sure it didn't help. It's not something that happens a lot, mm. but there's an element in our support that, that never took to him, mm. and there's certainly an element that, that have turned on him of late. Right.
1: Okay, cool. Um, so, going on to this weekend's game, yep. who are the players that Arsenal <laughs> should watch out for?
4: <laughs> That's a really tricky one at the moment.
0: um <laughs> 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 He had
4: a great game against, uh, in the first half against Stoke, and... Mm-hmm. Um, since, mm. um, but, but he's not cut, uh, cut a happy figure, um, mm. and a little falling out on the pitch of our left back oh, as yeah. well, yeah. so, um, but no, I mean, the players you should watch out for, I mean, Yannick Balassi's come back from injury, and again, that's another bit of bad luck for Holloway that he hasn't had, had him to pick, mm. um, there was a spell last season where obviously all the plaudits were going to Wilfred Zaha, mm. and um, Zaha lost a bit of form, and Balassi just picked up the mantle, and, and was just outperforming him game mm. after game. Uh, he's a very tricky, fast, direct winger. And he's the only one, really, at the moment, who, who's carrying the ball well. Mm. Um, plenty of confidence. Um, Jedanak in, in the midfield, you, you, if he's on his game, you've got to watch him. Um, off his game, which he has been the last few, uh, you can just pass the ball around him. And he, and he he really does have no real effect. But when he's on his game, he's like a brick wall. Um, mm. And he's been so important to us for the last, last year. Mm. Beyond that, um, it, it's hard to really say who... Who's actually going to be in Keith Millen's team? Uh, we don't, don't really, you know. I suppose that's the only thing that really does work in our favour. There's an element of unknown now, so mm. um, I suppose we've got that going. But you know, we've got some good, talented players, but but no one's really hitting form at the moment. Everyone's very down, so mm. that's probably the best I can give you for now.
1: Cool. You brought in he was a companion, so it was, was supposed to be quite a coup, quite an unexpected coup for you guys. Um, and he hasn't seemed to. It doesn't. Is it? Is it a... a a language barrier or is he not performing well in the training ground, but he doesn't seem to have featured that much.
4: Yeah, a few, few factors there. Spoke spoke new English, um, and Holloway was reluctant to play him while that was the case. Um he is a supremely talented player, as was shown, he played the full game for the Spanish under twenty ones the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, was excellent for them. He's he's an incredibly good player. Um he is not quite up to the pace of the Premier League, uh which I have to say is something that Surprised we get promoted. A lot of us talked about players having more space in the Premier League, and that's it's, uh, that's changed since we were last there. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's a he's a very good player. I mean, but interestingly, a story that broke on Talksport earlier today: um, a former player, Matt Lawrence, um, was was basically revealed to Talksport that he was told that. Um, Companion was a disruptive influence in the dressing room at halftime of uh, against Fulham, and that's why he was removed from the pitch. Really? Um, now he's, he had a reputation at Sevilla for similar things, uh, although mainly off off field problems, mm. um, which is why we got him for two million euros mm. when he, you know, when he, he was linked with Real Madrid and Barcelona, and Barcelona were back in for him. But um, yeah, I mean, again, he's one of those players, all the talent in the world, but you've got to you've got to motivate him. Mm. So so that that's where we are with him.
1: What kind of foot would you expect to uh, Keith Millen to sort of, uh, you know, put out on Saturday? Will it be Dower? Well, do you, you think you will be as expensive <laughs> as 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 Holloway tried to be, or do you think it'll be um, parking the bus? I think what you'll
4: see, I mean, Holloway's philosophy by the, by the end of his reign was that we're going to have to play on the break, and I think you'll see a similar sort of. Uh, Set up. I think what we'll do is we'll we'll look at the way you're playing and where you're getting your goals from. Which I think the answer to that is everywhere. Um, <laughs> but what we'll do is we'll try and squeeze the spaces. We'll try and chase you down, and we'll try and keep you level for as long as possible, and, and see what else happens up the other end. Uh, it won't be too much different. Um, I think with the way the way you're absolutely flying at the moment, it will be simply a matter of when when you score. If you score early on, um, we're gonna we're gonna have real problems containing you. Uh, if we keep it. Keep it level. The longer we keep it level, that you know, maybe a set piece here and there, and that's what we're hoping for. But I think, really, realistically, you'll just you'll have probably I'd predict 65 70% of possession throughout the 90 minutes, and, and that's the way you'll, you'll see us set up. Yeah. We'll four at the back, we'll try and flood the midfield as best we can, and have kind of a, a fluid front line, but they'll be dragged back doing a lot of defending.
1: Well, uh, I, uh, the crowd at uh, Selhurst Park is 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 known to be quite uh, a boisterous and hmm. vociferous one. I mean, I've been to Selhurst Park a few times in my youth. I you you yeah. gave us Ian Wright, so I've got a soft spot for you guys. But then you also you also gave us Eddie McGoldrick, so kind of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Eddie's back at
3: the club at the moment. <laughs> He's a legend.
1: <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I've got a soft spot for you guys. Uh, what, what, what do you think? Kind of what kind of atmosphere do you think you, you, you us some Arsenal we're gonna experience or be met with? It'll, be, it'll be
4: positive. I think because of the managerial change, what we do, um, what we've always done as a support base is pull together, uh, I, and I, I think that will happen. I, I think you're you here. One corner of the ground will be singing all game, and a little section of us up the back in the, in the same stand as yourselves will be singing all game. Uh, depending on what happens on the pitch, the rest may or may not join in. But it'll be loud, and it'll be 90 minutes of singing more often than not. Um, the only thing I'd, I'd sort of really say is, um, it, again, it, it does become a bit of an unknown, because we, we did lose that a little bit, um, but against Fulham in the second half. But, I mean, we're very different to how we used to be. It's taken a lot of work by a, a group called the Homestyle Fanatics. Mm. They're the ones who sparked all of this um, support, although they by not, well, not any means the only people that sing. Mm. Um but but we're very different from the time that, that you're referring to. I think we're a lot, lot louder and more intense, and mm. a, you know there's a lot of aggression. We try and make it intimidating, but mm. you know it's still it's still park, It's still a good, you know nice decent club.
1: Yeah. Well, my brother went up to the Liverpool game. He's a Liverpool supporter, and he he actually said that this that, that it was he was amazed by the actual uh, the, the, the 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 um the the level of support that Crystal Palace fans gave to their team, even though you got beaten, three one or something like that.
4: Yeah, no, you guys I do, do every game myself. I, mm. I, I, cool.
1: He said that he was just amazed by your support throughout. You know,
4: um, no, the um, yeah, club. Do, I club. I was up there myself, mm. and um, I, I'd love to tell you a bit more, but I, I had a few too many, and I really can't. I don't know, not got how I got in the ground. To be quite honest <laughs> with you, I really shouldn't have been allowed, but um, but it was yeah. I mean, away from home, we've 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 been like that for while now and it Mm. was all during administration really we we had the protests outside lloyd's to get the ground all this sort of stuff that went on and Mm. it just pulled everyone together and you know there's a few staple songs that come out and they go on for a long long time and Mm. you know we're we're creating our fans or something we're all all proud of our support um you know it's going to be hard to maintain it with the way things are going but we're proud of it
1: cool all right so before we wrap it up um it's predict the scoreline and the scorer (laughs) so here are your questions. Can you give us the scoreline, yep. the first scorer, and how many free kicks the, the referee will give to Arsenal?
4: <laughs> right, okay, that's a, that's a big ask. Uh, the scoreline, I'll start with. Uh, I think it will be 3-0 Arsenal. Uh, first goal scorer, hmm, Giroud. And number of free kicks to Arsenal? The way we're playing at the moment, it's got to be a good seven 13 I'd say. Seventeen,
1: yeah, three nil Giroud. Seventeen. All right, then Chris. It's been f- fantastic having you on. Really good insight into the, uh, in the workings of Palace, and I really hope for the rest of the season you guys put it together and and work no. something out. You know, um, you know, you're a great club. I've always had a health soft spot, not only Ian Wright, but you gave us Kenny Sampson before that. So um, I wish you guys all the best.
4: Yeah, that has been really enjoyable, and honestly, it's so good to see you guys sort of, you know, playing the kind of football that you're famous for. It's not really as nice. So, all the best for the very rest much. of the season. Cheers.
1: Cool. All the best. Thanks very much, nice Chris. Man.
4: Cheers
1: now. Bye. Bye bye. That was Chris Hambling of Holmes Door Radio. You can catch him at Hambo. His, his Twitter handle is ha- at Hambo1980. okay guys so um, let's uh, talk about the uh, Palace game what do you expect uh, to see uh, this weekend at mo
0: um, I, I think we'll win they are just you know I hate saying that but you know I, I do think we'll win um, and you know a lot of the time in in the season it's about Playing teams at the right times, and it's a bit of an unknown now with Palace. You know, are are they going to be all of a sudden have real togetherness and come out fighting? I bloody well I hope not. But um, I still think we should have enough to to beat them. Um, I've got a soft spot for Palace as well, purely because of Ian Wright. Um, the nice thing about this game will be, I'm sure he'll be talking about it or on TV and stuff like that. It's always nice to hear what he's got to say. Um, but yeah, I expect to win. Um, you asked me, I think sixteen free kicks,
2: <laughs>
0: and <laughs> I reckon it will be if Arteta plays Arteta to score first. If he doesn't, then we'll to score first. I think it will come from midfield, possibly a penalty, which is why I've gone for Arteta.
1: Cool. For one, and for one, Um What do you do? You think we could suffer from a bit of complacency? Do you think we'll turn up there and just think, yeah, it's only Palace; they got beaten by by Fulham 4 one the other day. We'll just. Will turn them around, or do you think they'll the, the players will go there, you know, champion at the bit, trying to, you know, get that Dortmund defeat out of their mind?
2: Uh, I'm going to guess that we're going to go there champion at the bit based on the Dortmund result. Uh, obviously, if we had won over Dortmund, I would be a little concerned about this game, given that uh, Crystal Palace might have a little bit of a lift that you, you know, sometimes temporarily you get a lift when you get a new manager in because players want to impress. So you might normally be concerned about that, but coming off the loss to Dortmund, I think we'll be up for this game. Um, I also believe we'll probably uh, give a few players a chance that haven't haven't played in the last week or so, and, and they'll be up to impress as well. So I really think we could uh, we could come out and really really put them to the sword and, and beat them four nil.
1: Cool. And who? Oh,
2: yep. I'm I'm gonna go with Kathorla uh, and I was going to say 16 free kicks as well, but I guess I can't do that, so I'll say 15.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right, let's move on to any other business quickly. What do you want to talk about, Mo? Oh, I want to
0: talk about, I want to talk about <laughs> that red-nosed, money-grabbing, classless little senile man, Alex Ferguson. How wonderful, how absolutely wonderful is it? He's given a present to the whole of the football world about how he's just ripping their club to shreds. It's just delightful to see. So I'm absolutely over the moon with it. It's hugely embarrassing for them. Players that have won him titles. um, And, you know, he's just absolutely just tearing them apart in the press just to sell a few books. It's just, um, I cannot believe what's going on. But there's a huge smile on my face. Man United, honestly, they they just, um, I've never been their biggest fan. And it's, it's stuff like this that make, that's always made me dislike them because they just don't have any class whatsoever. I'll make a promise right now. I, If Arsene Wenger and Patrick Vieira are ever in the press, ever in the media, slating each other in public for the world to see, I will flip in, I don't know, I'll shave my hair off and eat it. okay? And
1: Donna Tottenham shirt. And don a Tottenham shirt and stand in the middle of the Emirates. There's no way I'll ever put
0: on a Tottenham shirt. That's not going to happen. I'll do anything else. I ain't doing that. But the fact of the matter is I could commit to that and it wouldn't happen anyway. Mm. Wenger has got way too much class and that's what sets Arsenal... Apart from other clubs, mm-hmm. it's just I, I just I'm thrilled to bits with it. As an Arsenal fan, you sit there and you listen to this. I'm thrilled to, bi- thrilled to bits with it. Mark Bosnich is saying I want to have a word with him. Roy Keane's um, criticising him on TV. And I don't know if anyone's seen Ian Wright's reaction. Oh, that was funny. The- that oh, was it was hilarious. That was hilarious. Roy Keane, Hardman, and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Right, he's sitting next to him, laughing in his face, <laughs> laughing at him and Fergie making a mockery out of the club. It's just absolutely brilliant. Mm. To see, absolutely love it. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Golfy, any, 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 any. Who's your wanker of the week or twat of the week? Oh,
2: twat of the week. Mm. Uh, well, if he gets the job, it's got to be Pulis. He's a twat, mm. but. Um, <laughs> so far it's got to be Ferguson yeah. um, the, the the press he's given about his book uh, right now I feel like I don't even need to, need to go out and buy it I think I've already heard everything that's in it yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's given away too much <laughs> and uh, it is it is wonderful to see him uh, again at each other's throats I know they've done it before but him and him and Kane um, boy they deserve each other don't they <laughs> they're a sweet couple
1: <laughs> match made in heaven match made yes. in heaven Right, okay, so that about wraps things up. Um yeah, hopefully we um we go into this weekend with the right frame of mind. Get the necessary three points, um those words back down Andre Villas Boas's mouth apparently came out and said, you know, we haven't played any big teams. But um, you know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> did are you joking? Did AVB say it's, we haven't played any big teams? We haven't played any big teams, and that uh, we're about to meet some big teams coming up. And Man United um, are getting an easy run, but they're going to be meeting a big team in Tottenham. Whatever. Wait,
0: wait can, can, <laughs> is anyone else missing the fact that played Tottenham? How stupid is that man?
1: It's an oxymoron. He's obviously, he's obviously saying that he. He's actually, he doesn't realise that he's actually saying that they're not a big team. If he's it's saying that brilliant. we
0: haven't. I'm, <laughs> I'm loving the fact that our rival managers are making absolute tools out of themselves. There it's you go. Long may continue, I love
1: it. <laughs> Great stuff. Right, so uh, before we go, uh, Mo, have you got any shout-outs for any dedicated uh, followers out there?
0: Yes, I have. I've got a shout-out for Bilal al and I've got a shout-out for uh, William Barker. So... Uh, there a couple of followers on Twitter who will be tuning into the podcast. Hope you enjoy it.
1: What are their Twitter handles, mate?
0: Twitter handles are at Bilal Ladak, B I L A L L A D A K, and at AFC W L
1: Barker. Cool. Um, Golfy, do you got any announcements you want to make? Any shout outs?
2: I uh, just thought, you know, even, that, uh, even though I didn't know the man, that we should probably dedicate this pod ta- podcast to uh, Chris Johnston, uh, SE13.
1: Absolutely. Uh, old-time gooner. Um, one of the, the, you know, EIE heard. Um, and uh, an encyclopedia, a, a goonapedia, as somebody called him on the forum. You know, um, shocking loss to a community. And um, I wish his family all the best. All right, then. Thanks for coming on, Mo. We'll see you again soon. Cheers, mate. Thanks. And, uh... Golfy, it's been great having you on and we'll definitely get you on in the not-too-distant future.
2: Thank you, sir. It was, it was fun.
1: Great stuff. OK, that was the Gooner Ramble. No satire, no gimmicks, just a little bit Arsenal. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to the Gooner Ramble, a Gunner's World podcast.